HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. How do two ladies write, date, and express themselves in Trump's America? Have the inner workings of our minds and souls changed in the last few months? Author Jen Dahl returns for the second show in our Me and You series. It's Monday, June 26th, and this is Love Bites Radio. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I'm 35, single, and you can find me as at WordsFoodArt. And I'm your other host, Jen Dahl. I am currently in a relationship, and you can find me as at this is Jen Dahl. Welcome back, Jen. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So listeners, um, you may have noticed that Jen has not been. This is me <laughs> and you. Close. One, one letter Jen. off. Exactly. It worked out quite <laughs> conveniently. This is the second in our Me and You series. Last week, it was Jax and Ben. Today, it is Jax and Jen. Works out quite well for me right now. Um, ben is on his way in the air to Portland, 
Oregon, uh, back where he was a few months ago to workshop uh, his play at the Portland Center stage right now. So uh, Jen is guest hosting today, and today we are talking about being lady writers in Trump's America, which is Jen's brilliant idea for our Me and You topic today, which I'm a little stressed out about just even saying that name. I, I don't even normally say that name. I call him 45. I also don't want to call it Trump's America because I'm like, no, it's, it's our not America. his America. Yeah. I know. We get I know. It made, for, it made for a yes. title. Right. It exactly. made for a title. No, it's necessary. Yeah. So listeners in this series, it's just a host, in this case, two hosts like it was last week, but basically two people, five questions, two halves of a show, and we interview each other. So uh, we are going to rock, paper, scissor to see who asks first. <laughs> I can remember how to do this. Okay. So Yeah, so we do rock, paper, scissor, shoot, and whoever wins gets to decide whether they ask or answer first. Okay? Okay. All right, ready? Rock, paper, scissor, shoot. <laughs> I win again. Oh, you win. Okay. So I'm going to ask you Great. questions first. Okay. So, all right, so here we go. So I get to sit back and relax. Um, so, Miss <laughs> Jen Dahl. Uh, so, listeners, just so you know, Jen, uh, you penned a memoir a few years ago. Yes. You are an essayist, and you are active and hilarious on Twitter. Thank so you. So that's just sort of a general get-to-know-Jen Dahlish for um, for listeners who have not heard you on our roundtable episode in December. Right. That we had our single and fabulous ladies who launched. Well, I don't remember what we called it. Was single and fabulous, the best Yeah. And we ladies. lunched. Maybe we didn't lunch. I don't remember. We, we drank. We and it was fun. Lunched. It was cold and delightful. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so, yeah. So that's what Jen does. And in what way has Mr. 45 most like shifted your creative work and your productivity do you feel like more or less focused oh my god like has it changed <laughs> the pieces that you write and like how do you navigate the opinions that you get back in i your mean work? i really hate it but i think that it's changed absolutely everything and Ugh, maybe I'm, i don't hate that because we needed to change like in some way this has been kind of a wake-up call about what's really important totally um in what way in what way for you is it the most wake-up Call. I think that we have never really gotten to a place where, like, I feel we should be as the sort of good and just and, you know, yeah, like, like we thought like, we were further like, along. Like we, we thought were. we were further along and maybe there were the trappings of being further along, but suddenly everything is threatened and it just feels like... Uh, at first, doing creative work, like any creative work at all, just felt impossible. My therapist says that that is a very normal reaction to trauma. So mm-hmm. anyone who felt that way after November 8th, November 8th, mm-hmm. um, you know, the date that will live in infamy. It's like the black um, to <laughs> Yeah. Anyone who felt like, I think a lot of writers, a lot of creative people were feeling like, how do I channel my energy? I mean, yeah. if I even have it What's anymore the point of doing into, anything, yeah, right? like I was writing, I was going to try to write a piece about hobbies. Do we even have hobbies anymore? And then suddenly after Trump was elected, it was like, who fucking cares about hobbies? Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. no, we need to be out there protesting. We need to be doing things. We need to be focusing on what is really important now because it feels much more threatened. And I think that's energizing on a level, but it's also, you know, really tiring. And how do you take your creative energy and put it into that sort of place? The other thing was I was thinking, I need to be doing protests. I need to be, like, fighting. But when then do you have time to write? Right. So kind of like a rebalancing of all of those things. And Um, how did that change your work? The pieces that you did or... Yeah, well, the hobbies piece died. I just didn't feel like I could write it. Um, I wrote things that were about how I was coping, which I felt like 
I hoped other people, I hoped they could have a kind of universal appeal because everybody was going through, you know, similar feelings, a lot of people, um, or some kind of, you know, this was like a major thing that happened to to our country. So whatever you feel, I think it would be very hard, like before the show started, like the weirdest thing would be feeling absolutely nothing, like nothing has changed. Um, And I think we do feel like things have changed. So I, I'm also working on a young adult novel right now. And to me, young adult novels are one of the most um, progressive, strong, like beautiful places to put energy and spirit and like goodness, because teenagers are the best people in the world. And we want to provide them with the skills to like, like they are our future. Um, They're the ones who are going to hopefully help yeah. fix us for, fix this for us or at right. least like we're not going to destroy the world too much so that they, <laughs> <laughs> so they still have a place to live um yeah so i kind of i've i've been really busy reviving revising that novel and working a little bit less on essays for websites and stuff like that just in terms of time management did you find that getting to work on your novel and, and infusing it with those you know empowering strengthening sort of moral codes did that help you or did that did that shift at all in in what you want in the message you wanted to put in your yes um I think it became stronger it became I always wanted that to be it's a huge part of the novel but I just felt like much more like this is how it needs to be and this is the kind of message that I need to have yeah Um, it's going to be very interesting to see like in 2018 and 19 the stories that come yes I think from right now totally and I think everyone has been affected all people who are doing creative work right it's hard to not have that suddenly infuse what you're doing yeah so how did this change your specifically your twitter presence because like i said you were very funny on twitter (laughs) i actually Um, felt like really bad about twitter for a while no that's the thing because twitter it's like a landmine it's like you can't it's to me it's just depressing like that's the that's the one thing that i that i i vacate from more than anything else so like how do you navigate you know, that with the same sort of like, you're very, you're very yeah, wide. I mean, so like an observational comedy, you know, like how do you do it? Right. Sometimes to me, to me, Twitter at its best is a place where you can just have like hilarious things that you're seeing happen in life and you can remark upon. Um, and then it's valuable for getting information out, you know, about like political causes and, and things like that that we care deeply about. And it's valuable for disseminating good articles to read. But for me, the like stress relief relief part of Twitter is like, like this morning I was on a train and I was coming back from um, upstate and this guy next to me is like going on and on and on and on to his mom about this wedding that he was just at describing it in the most intricate detail like every level and like he was just commenting on everything and speaking very loudly and I like had to tweet about it because it's just hilarious (laughs) Like, (laughs) like it was like talking about how some woman there was just a total knockout and like how he would die to date her and why was she even yeah and his mother and and you know i think stereotypically (laughs) it's like women are the ones talking about weddings no this dude was like deeply (laughs) engaged in this wedding so that was hilarious and that's the kind of thing i don't know like we have to still live our lives you know we have to see the things around us that make us human and both flawed and hateable and flawed and lovable you know right 
Well, speaking of such roller coasters, when you were on the show in December, you were dating somebody, and then I saw you a couple months later, and you were single, and now you were dating somebody again. Yes. And uh, I feel like this this whole election, that just everything right now, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I felt like the election was like a... a box to my vagina like I just felt like <laughs> everything was like women just fuck off like yeah. you're just just go back down and it, and I think a lot of women just, right and also then like men fuck off because you don't deserve to have any access to any of this yeah like, it was yeah. just it was just it, it just <sighs> yeah so I mean so how so you're dating somebody yes how has this 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 barf bubble of a, of a, <laughs> of a world affected that like these men that you've been with in this period between. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So when I had my breakup, I was like, the bodega grates are down. <sighs> like there's no, I don't even, I don't want to think about men. I don't want to like, in my view, men, including this person that I was dating were part of this whole, like, destruction of beauty and goodness and you know and even if they weren't actively perpetrating all of this badness they were part of it because they were complicit in it you know what I mean yes um anyway then I met this guy and it's it's always nice it's a nice reminder that like you meet people and you're like oh huh I could date someone again maybe (laughs) (laughs) like Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then, like, the greats began to rise. Um, And also, you know, there were, like, issues that I'd had in my previous relationships, and particularly in the very last one, that this person, I mean, I think I'm just, like, so much more aware, like, that they be politically aligned with me, Mm. that they are a staunch feminist that they care deeply about, you know, progressive ideals. Could you project that this brought that the political climate brought it out in your current gentleman that it just like, I think he was always like that, but I think he just like could talk about it more. And also I was asking more questions like that mm. because I think that before maybe a lot of things were under the surface that we just didn't, address or deal with because we didn't feel like we had to. Right. And then it became so raw that it was like, Oh no, like, right. You're a libertarian. (laughs) You know, these are red flags. These are bad. You don't vote Um, in the primary. Yes. You didn't, you didn't vote at all. Like, yeah. Like that goes from being sort of like a, Oh, hmm, to like, right. You're maybe the devil. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I think, I think one of the positive things about what's happening now is that there's a possibility that we could have like a real comeback for nice guys and for like good guys, because I don't think anyone wants to sleep with a bad one right now. I mean, yeah, yeah. not even for I love one I night. Love, I love that. <laughs> good guys out there. I hope you're I hope you just I yeah, I, I high five you for that, because, yeah. Yeah, a lot like I think good people right now are just right. It's just a general There's, rise up to like, and we should have valued them before. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, t- so tell me a story about love you've seen in your life since November, whether it's family or friends, something about getting it, losing it, you know, whatever, like um, something you've learned about a big love, like feelings, lessons that could only have happened now in this type of in this America. Yes. Interesting. Hmm, this is a hard question. Um, 
I think that, so I've been, I've been talking to my therapist a lot, like a lot of us. Like a lot of people have, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And, and this kind of like dovetailed with my breakup and, um, and I wrote a little bit about this on the website Cup of Joe, but, um, my therapist was like, you need to say what you want. You need to put it out there. And I'm like, well, what do I even want? You know, like, how do you know what you want? Because I think I've been living my life thinking I could want this and I could want this. And both of those things could be great. And how do you even decide until you start experiencing it? But really putting things out there and saying, like, this is definitely what I do want is empowering and great. And so I did. I made a list and then I met someone and it's like it sounds like the secret. It sounds like complete bullshit. But... (laughs) But did you list the things that you wanted in that person? Not. Okay. So the things I wanted were like an arrow, someone who is straight and true and sweeps through the sky with, really? with a direction. Yeah. And my therapist is like, whoa, you're a loony. T- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like taking notes over here. I'm like, okay. But so. I decided that arrows, like, so people are arrows or maybe they're like, I don't know, kites. And then they waft in the wind and they go where, but I wanted someone who had their own internal direction. Right. I mean, obviously we can go into more arrow technology and like it's, there's a bow and whatever, but like, let's not do that. <laughs> my metaphor works for me. <laughs> anyway, I think had, I not experienced this, like this breakup and this kind of like deep disappointment where someone who I thought was aligned with me turned out to not be aligned with me. And then the America that I thought was aligned with me Mm. turned out to be not aligned with me. I think I wouldn't have sort of like reconstituted in that way and thought enough about this to then really be open to meeting someone else who was this directioned person. Right. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then another brief story is that I've just been fighting with my dad a lot. <laughs> like, oh but God. I love him anyway. That's so hard. All right. So, yeah. you know, dads, yeah. dads of a certain generation. My dad did not vote for Trump, but um, he has some beliefs that are much more of, you know, like he was born in the 40s and He's not sure about protests, even though he lived through the Vietnam War. Um, and how do you talk to him about it? Well, drunkenly, um, and and we had a lot of fights. And then we've kind of like actually the last time he saw me, he was like, "My liberal," and I was like, "Okay, that's not cool, dude." Yeah. <laughs> but he and I, like, you know how everyone was like, "How do you talk to your family members that right. that don't get yeah. it?" Yeah. I think you do have to keep talking to them, unfortunately. I don't know. Mm. Um, And my dad does get it. He just doesn't get it exactly the way that I want him to get it. Right. Which maybe a 70-year-old man isn't going to do, you know? Right. Yeah. But you love these people in your life anyway. Right. It's like, I'm not cutting out my dad just because he's not protesting. Yeah. Ouch. Ugh. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a break and Jen is going to tell you a little bit as my co-host for the day she is going to talk to you about our summer summer membership drive and then we come, when we come back we're going to talk more about this world that we're in so Jen then why don't you tell her this you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already getting I'm chewing on your words right now and thinking about how I'm going to respond to a similar <laughs> a similar idea so Jen tell her tell our listeners some stuff yes ma'am 
Before we take a break, a reminder that all of our 70-plus episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at heritageradionetwork.org, and that we are only here because Heritage is a member-supported station. Our summer membership drive is in full effect, and we need our listeners to join us as card-carrying members, too. Just head to heritageradionetwork.org, click on the beating heart in the upper right corner, and select a one-time or recurring package that looks right for you. We have limited edition summer member thank you gifts right now, and you'll be on the list for members-only events. Thank you for helping us keep excellent food and lifestyle radio on the air this summer. We're always available to you as at Love Bites Radio on social and via email at lovebites at heritageradionetwork.org. We will love you forever for supporting our work and our team. And now we'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs, including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Okay, we're back. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's my turn. Whenever you're ready, Jen. All right. Mm. I have many questions for you, um, but we'll start with this one. Okay. You spent a year looking at habit removal. During that time, we elected a president who might embody a kind of, well, might. <laughs> he definitely embodies a kind of grotesque excess. And in a way, he, we can't even say no to him because he's like penetrating every pore, you know, TV, radio, like everywhere. Twitter, social media, like we hear about him on the streets. Um, how have you handled that in your year of being mindful and considering what you take in and what you say no to? And did it help that you had this kind of abstinence program underway or was it more challenging to be abstinent after the election? Yeah, like so so the so listeners last week I talked a little bit about my project my year of abstinence. So it's myyearofabstinence.com, which has nothing to do with sexual abstinence but um <laughs> the project and the election immediately clashed because on november 4th i went off of sugar which included fruit and included alcohol so and then four days later we had the election and in no way did i expect him to win and so i was right at home by myself because i knew that i couldn't be drinking and partying with people and i was like i'm gonna make tea and light candles and all oh of a sudden i was like i cannot drink and I cannot eat a brownie and I cannot like, and I couldn't do anything. And I, so I just watched and I hurt. And then. And you were able to prevent yourself from going I to any of I almost broke. Yeah. I almost broke. It was like, as I was watching the numbers change, I was like that SNL sketch of the white people being like, maybe she can, maybe if it's just this and that, I was like crunching numbers in my head and I was looking at the bar. I was like, I can make a martini. I have whiskey. Uh -huh. I have like the bottle of champagne in the fridge that I was waiting for the 30 days later to like yes. toast Hillary. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've never been, I've got a lot of self-discipline and I was 
ready to break. And I didn't. That is amazing. And I didn't. And then a couple days later, the guy I was seeing ended things with me. And so it was Mm -hmm. a really shitty month. But I faced the darkness of a really bad time. And it got really dark with everything that was happening and not being able to drink my way through it or band-aid my way through it. Mm -hmm. It was one of the darkest periods I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. But it did then change what I picked for my January challenge, as Mm -hmm. I called them, which was identifying my anxieties, identifying my negative thoughts and flipping them and like coming up with tools to, I did power poses. I did, I channeled, I decided I made up this thing called tell a wonder woman, which if you just go into <laughs> your, it's hard to explain, but if you go into your com and you just click on the category, like, so I channeled Michelle Obama and wonder uh-huh. woman and Carrie Fisher and uh-huh. my best friend and my dog. And so anytime I could identify that I was going to a panic attack, wow. I would channel the strength of these women, these five different strengths and like, and it helped. And uh-huh. so like these two things were colliding where, over time, I realized that it was more vital for me to do this for myself, to like strengthen and empower myself and to face my darkness. And it started affecting my moral compass. Like mm-hmm. I got, I grew genuinely stronger and I mm-hmm. grew and I, I now have tools mm-hmm. that no matter what's happening and when I feel weak and lost that I can tap in, that I can see it and I can face whatever it is like that still happens and I can I can get myself out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, 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 I see it everywhere of people not being able to control themselves right. and take a breath. Right. And I'm so thankful in a way that I had that no sugar thing and I couldn't drink and I couldn't bandaid myself that I had to face my shit. Mm-hmm. Have you had a drink since? Yes, but my tolerance is so down. Like I have like four, I have these glasses at home where I have four ounces of wine and uh-huh. I'm like happy and wow. done. Like I'm That's two great. glasses, I'm two glasses of wine now and I'm done. That's really impressive. Yeah. Um, you just mentioned that you had a breakup as well in all of this time. Yeah. Um, and this was a question you had for me, but right. I'd like to ask it back to you. How has Trump's America changed your dating life? Are you dating now? Do you want to be, do you feel like you have, are you looking for something different now? Um, do you find it easier just to say no to men? Have you shut yeah. down the bodega grades? <laughs> um, I think it's definitely, I think both of these things are together again, between like the political stuff and the abstinence project, I know myself better and it's definitely made it harder overall that I just, um, I am dating. I, the guy I talked about last week, I'm not dating this mm-hmm. week, which mm-hmm. I'm feeling good about though. Uh, which is great because, in the course of the last year, I've identified my beliefs are stronger. The things I enjoy about life, I'm happier. Um, and the people I spend time with and the things that I choose to do, I have fewer habits and a lot more choices in my life. Yeah. Um, I, and so like, if it doesn't feel good, like I want men, I love, I love the image that you gave of the, of the arrow. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, because like, I just find it harder to find men who are, as strong and centered, like I've been using this idea of like this moral compass now, like I want, I want a guy who's, I'm going to enjoy as much as I enjoy my friends. And as yeah. much as, I love my solitude. I love the time. Yes. And I, I own the things that I like more now. Yeah. I and think... I, and I'm not going to, and I'm, I'm open to so many things about a guy's personality, but yeah. like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle. And I hate the word settle, but I, but I'm not I going think what to. you said before we were even on the air was so powerful and like gets rid of that gross word that feels like it's like it feels mean female to say shaming, kind yeah. of, you know, like, oh, 
Why you're like, you I'm not going to settle for a man who it's like, it's, I, yeah. Yeah. There's something about settle, like, and that also women should all just take someone right. who wants them. Right. Well, no, there's yeah. more to it than that. But you said all of these other things in my life are great. Why would I want to include someone in that or like make time for someone who isn't also great yeah. and who isn't sort of adding to my life? You know, I mean, the beautiful thing about a great relationship is you're adding to their life and they're adding exactly. to your life like, and it's really fun yeah. and feels empowering and supportive and like all of these wonderful things. If it's not doing that. Right. And like, I want to do why? that for somebody and have yeah. that somebody do that for me. But I only want it if it's symbiotic for both of us. Totally. You know? And if it's not, I mean, I think I've got like, so much good going on. And yeah, so I think like, I think as far as like the political place where we are, like I feel stronger in who I am because of both of these things. And I've got just less time to, to waver. I think that's part of what totally, I feel like that's part of what the climate has done for a lot of women is that we just, we're not so indecisive comparatively. Right. And if yeah. someone reveals himself to be a jerk, kind of like first thing, you're yeah. like, no, it's like, no, I, just, I don't even need to bother exactly, with that. Exactly. Yeah. I have apology. too much of that already. Yeah, completely. completely. Um, have you found relationships with friends and family members to be challenging or changing following yeah. the election? Yeah. And I think, um, some family members have been really hard mm -hmm. and I think, and I can't get too specific in it because of how hard some of them have been. Yeah. Um, but I think the the hard lesson has been that I realized that like, so my job, I interview people more than anything as a writer mm -hmm. and, and on this show. And I really, and I'm a listener and I love listening to people's stories. And also it just, it makes me happy to just listen to people. And I think I've realized with all of, the horrible words coming out of people so easily and the mm -hmm. judgments like I don't use mean words on people. Right. I don't use right. demeaning words on people. I don't use inhuman words on other human beings. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that I can't change or fix those things about the loved ones in my lives. Mm -hmm. And, but I still love them. Yes. And so I don't like, we're all anomal, uh, uh, we're all anomalies. We all have good and bad about us. And I've found, I've just learned some bad things about the people I've loved and I've learned some amazing things about strangers. And so I'm trying to just sort of hold on to the beautiful things mm -hmm. I've learned from strangers. And I've honestly, like I've done the, I think the opposite of what you've done. Like I haven't talked to, because mm -hmm. I don't have the capacity to have those. I'm not a good, um, I'm not good with conflicted conversations mm -hmm. like I'm not a good debater I don't like fighting and so I and I found with those relationships it's been more powerful for me to take space and refuse to be in the same space with people I mean that, I that's, think that's made more of a statement to yeah. the specific people in my life for me to, to not be around yes I think that's as powerful sometimes more powerful I have a habit of I'm very friendly with conflict <laughs> and I, I, I don't mind going in, but you know, sometimes silence is really the most powerful and the healthiest thing for you to do too. Yeah. I, I that's what I've needed for me. Like my mom last weekend called me the peacemaker in the mm -hmm. family. And so if I'm not around, it sort of means that you've crossed a line mm -hmm. that is, if I can't fix it, yeah. then you can't, you know, then, and maybe people need to take time yeah. to think, what they're doing themselves. Hopefully. That's my hope yeah. anyway, because I can't do anything else about yeah, it. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, what is next after the abstinence project for you? That was a whole year. It was. And honestly, I don't know. Like, I 
even towards the end, I was like, I don't know what else to take out because I sort of feel so in the moment right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> is I there anything of, else you can take yeah, out? Like, I mean, the last thing I did was like 40 days of changing something up every day. And yeah. so there was, there's definitely some things that I want to try more of. Like I did, I want or I want to do again, like, and I want to do more from a journalistic perspective. Like I did one day of no electricity uh-huh. and I want to do that again, like, but outside of New York city. Uh-huh. And I did one day of not cleaning up after myself to try to see what dirty, like messy people are like, cause I'm such a neat freak, <laughs> but I want to research more about like the, the healthy, ask, right. the healthy part of right, not right, being right. a neat, of like being a messy yeah. person, letting, and then letting applying, yourself go a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And like, and interviewing people who consider themselves slobs to mm-hmm. find out how it emotionally makes them feel. And then try to apply that mental aspect to it because I was not happy. I was like mm-hmm. very unhappy and my mm-hmm. day was not good and I was behind all day and I was like angry when I got home so like I want to sort of do more of the intellectual side of some of the stuff that's that I fascinating. did mm-hmm. so that's probably it like yeah. it's just you know so we'll see will there be is there any Trump component to this like can you have did you did you take a break from Twitter I, you did, well, right? I did yeah that was the first thing was like yeah. 40 days and I still do that but a lot that was, and I, before, that was in the beginning that was before mm-hmm. the pol- that was before the politics yeah. um, and so and I do that now when I sometimes I take weekends off from it and I do especially with Twitter mm-hmm. um, and social media is still the hardest thing out of yeah. everything I did like that's the only thing that I feel like I still have a problem with is social I mean, media I think it's also particularly hard I'm going a little bit off the question oh, list okay. right now but like when you're a person who is a writer or is a creative person and part of your job is promoting yourself so how do you cut yourself off of social media which is functionally something you need to promote yourself well and one thing that actually did get more complicated for me during because of the political climate which i think is great for other people is the idea of identity Mm -hmm. where i feel like with activism a lot of people found their role as activists and in a way i did i became more active in the chronic illness community i founded the marching with me campaign Mm -hmm. which connects people with disability and chronic illness with what we call boots on the ground marchers at protests and rallies but I still like, but there also became a lot of conflict online within communities, yes. within marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like there was, there's conflict with the words chronic illness and spoonies and disabled. And I'm also, I'm half Portuguese. My father is an immigrant, but nobody looks at me, but people obviously think I'm white and mm-hmm. I'm not Latina. So I don't really, I'm not allowed to really identify with the Hispanic community, even though I live within the Hispanic mm-hmm. community in Washington Heights. And like, mm-hmm. I'm not really a chronic illness writer, but I do write about it. So mm-hmm. it's sort of, so I'm not really within that community, but I sort of am. So it's like, so it's almost convoluted my yeah. identity which i wouldn't care about which i don't care about as a human well, being and the truth but as a writer and an all online of our presence. identities are convoluted and that's what makes this time also hard right and because, i feel like online that's yeah. weird but in life we i don't care in life but online yeah. it's a whole other thing well something that happens when we have this like very under nuanced black and white kind of president and right. presidency is that we react in this way that has to be one thing or the other as right. well. And life isn't and like life that. isn't like that and people aren't yeah. like that. And it's I find that a struggle. Yeah, so my online identity is definitely confusing whereas as a human I feel clearer than ever. <laughs> Which know? is maybe I mean if if you had to give one up. That's like, true. Right? Yeah, I would s- totally walk away from on, from <laughs> online world completely if I could. Um how so this kind of gets at the last question which is how are you staying positive when the world feels like occasionally it's falling apart or always falling apart around us? What coping techniques have you adopted? What are some of the things that make you happy every day? 
I only do things that make me happy every day outside of work. I mean, work is work. Um, and I bet even I mostly do projects that mm-hmm. I love. And I try to make sure that I'm in a good mood when I work because mm-hmm. I'm a bitch to people as a freelance writer when I'm not. I can mean via email. And so I try to make sure I'm only in a good mood when I work. Mm-hmm. But that was another great convenient thing about doing this project this year is that I read the books I like to read. I read a lot of morally grounded writers this year. I read Anne of Green Gables, almost the whole series, and uh-huh. Little Women, uh-huh. and a lot of um, a lot of magical realism. And I go for a lot of walks with my dog, and I go to the library, and I know a lot of people in my neighborhood. And I date when it feels good, and I stop when it doesn't. And I, I feel like coloring in a coloring book. I do it until I realize I'm not having fun, you know, <laughs> like, and if I want to watch like 12 episodes of younger, which I'm doing right now, like mm-hmm. I do it. And, and so like, I think the biggest thing right now is just recognizing what I want to do yeah. and doing it and then recognizing if I'm not having fun and then stopping. And I go to food events that I want to go to for mm-hmm. work. You're being your own arrow. I'm being my own arrow. <laughs> See, so it's like I decide if I would rather do this or rather do that, and yeah. that's it. It's yeah. just deciding what I want to do and only doing things that make me happy. I mean, that's fantastic. And having no shame. And yes. So that's what I think people should do, things that make them happy and own it and be proud of it and don't apologize for it as long as you're not hurting somebody, obviously. Yeah. Right. You know? And right. just choose happiness. Yeah. And, you know. As much as you can. No matter who in is this. in that freaking house. Um, so we're going to quickly wrap up with, would you rather, this is our game for this series. Would you rather this or that? So we have three very quick questions and we're just going to ask each other if you would rather do this or rather do that. So I have my first question for you, Miss Jen. Yes. And they're just delightful. So would you rather sit down for pizza at Roberta's with Mr. President or have dinner with the Obamas, but during coffee accidentally spill blisteringly hot coffee on Michelle, (gasps) which would you rather? I would still rather eat with the Obamas. <laughs> I don't think I could possibly. I know, right? No. Even though Roberto's pizza is really good, too. I know, but yeah. yeah. Okay. And she would be wonderful She'd be so about gracious it. about it. She'd, yes. she'd feel bad. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? We're going to go back and forth here. Um, <laughs> should I ask you a goofy one or a, would you rather marry for love or health insurance? Oh my God. (laughs) Right now I just reapplied for my health insurance and backdated it. So right now in this very moment, I would get married for health insurance. Yeah. 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 Same. I mean, ideally both. Ideally both. Of course. Of course. (laughs) But right now in this moment, considering like I've just spent a week going back and forth trying to get health insurance back and I really need it. Like I just paid my prescriptions out of pocket. So right now in this moment today, Monday, the 26th, I would marry somebody for health insurance. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number two, would you rather date a Trump voter or date a climate change denier. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's a hard one. <sighs> well, would the Trump voter be... Would the Trump voter believe in climate change? Yes. And would the Trump voter be an abashed Trump voter or a no, Trump is still the way? I don't know. You have to... You can make that decision. Um, I think I just would like not date forever. No, you have to. You have I to pick have one. To? You have to pick one. The Trump voter. I oh, know, right? It's horrible. I know that's, that's a really horrible unfair. question. I know, but you can't be a climate change denier. I I'm know, sorry. I know you can't, right? Um, would you rather give up reading books, paper, printed material, etc., or the internet? Oh, uh, the internet. I'd rather give up the internet. I w- I could not give up reading paper books. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. 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 
Oh my God, that would be such a good life if I could give up reading the internet. It kind of sounds lovely. I know, it sounds wonderful. Okay, last one. Would you rather ghostwrite Melania's scathing tell-all and make huge (laughs) money, like enough like you're set for life, or... Well, I guess I, uh, this is not as fun now that I'm saying it. <laughs> or write an amazing novel that is very well received. It's like the great American novel. It's well received, but you only get middling money and career advancement. Yeah, the middling one. Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> actually, actually, no, that was a pretty good question now that I think about it. Because yeah. you gotta, like, I'm talking about like set for life money. Right. Well, so, like, yeah, the question is like, like what like, kind of writer like, do you want to be, right? Right. Yeah. Plus, see, I think I would pick. I think I would pick the money. Yeah, I think could you write any other books after that? Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah. But I'm already marrying for health insurance, so <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that really matters yeah. right now. Yeah, so I'm fine. Trans America. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's see. Hmm. See, she came so prepared. I just came with three. She came with. Okay. Would you rather go without dating at all until you find the perfect person, or date a variety of people and maybe maybe never find the one? but find lots of them and have good experiences with them all. No, I would rather not date and just meet the one. <laughs> it's like, I would ra- like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm, you have no idea how much I've dated. <laughs> you have no idea how much I've dated. The poor guy I just dated was, was like a year out of a year out of marriage and is like pie in the sky. And like, I did, thank God I didn't get to the point where I had to tell him how much experience I have comparatively. I would be fine not dating and then 10 years from and now then going just, on one day and well, being that like, could happen, maybe. it could happen. I would be fine with that. I got a yeah. good life. I got stuff going on. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. That is our show. Listeners, you can find my co-host Jen Dahl at jendahl.com. Is that correct? Or is it, this is Jen Dahl? It's just Jen Dahl. Uh, jendahl.com is my website. Jendahl.com. Yeah. And she is at this is Jen Dahl on social media. Yeah. And if you are a lady right there out there exploring identity and action in this America, we would love to hear how you handle it. So you can email me your thoughts at lovebites at heritageradionetwork.org or connect with us. We are at Love Bites Radio on all platforms. Uh, we are off for the 4th of July next week. So we wish you a healthful celebration and safe resistance if you are out there protesting. And I will be back on the 10th with another me and you story to share. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> thank you to our guest engineer, Mike, out there in the booth. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion. We are Jacqueline Raposo and Jen Dahl and Love Bites. We'll be back at the same time in two weeks right here at heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.